Welcome to the Finley Capital Podcast, where we discuss real estate investing and the hard money lending process. Today, I want to talk about when not to do a deal. Okay, I've had a lot of deals come across my table recently that I've turned down in terms of loans. And I've been helping the borrowers who are looking at the deals, analyze the deals and realize that they're not good deals. Mm -hmm. One of the things I've noticed is, especially with new investors, they're dying to do a deal. Yeah. You know, and you can understand that. You want to do a deal, you're excited to do a deal. You finally got a lender so you can have the money to do the deal. And so that gets exciting. And then you just, any, any potential deal that comes across your plate, you want to just take that deal down. Mm -hmm. But part of being a real estate investor includes being patient and measured and strategic. And I think that a lot of people need to hear that because taking aggressive action and being very proactive and and moving, moving forward and failing forward are all good things, Mm -hmm. but it should be your goal as an investor to never do a a deal that isn't profitable. Mm -hmm. Now, some people might argue and say, well, if you're not doing, if you're not losing on some deals, you're not doing enough deals or whatever. I don't agree with that. Okay. I think you can bat a thousand. I try to bat a thousand yeah. in everything I do. I don't, but I try to. Yeah. I try to never make a bad loan. I try to n- never swing at a ball. You know. Yeah. I try to always be at bat a thousand and be perfect. And what that means is sometimes I turn down deals that are good mm-hmm. by accident. You know, I have a partner and he sends me deals all the time, and sometimes I turn them down, and they ended up being good deals, and he gets yeah. really mad at me, and I'm like, hey man, sorry, I didn't see that. You know, I right. didn't see that angle of it, or I thought this was bigger, going to be a higher budget than it actually was, or I didn't think it would go for that price, and it actually right. did, or whatever. And he always looks at me and says, yeah, 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 you're stupid. <laughs> but the truth is, I would always rather miss on a deal by not doing it than miss on a deal by doing it. Right. And what I'm seeing with all these deals that come across my desk is people are starting to, the, the purchase prices are starting to be higher. Mm. And so they're trying to rely on the after repair value being higher to make the deal work. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that. You can't look at a deal and say, well, you know, the numbers don't really work at 200 resale price, but mm-hmm. they work at 225. Let's just do it and hope we get 225. Yeah. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You have to be conservative on the after repair value yeah. underwriting so that you're never wrong. One of the things I've really prided myself on looking back at the repaid loans from Finley Capital since we've opened mm-hmm. is literally every deal we've done has either refied or sold for more than my after repair value estimate, which means that my ARV estimates have been conservative, Yeah, which means that when we're, when we're underwriting the deals, we're using a conservative after repair value number and they're mm-hmm. still working. Yeah, Those are the kind of deals you should be doing. Absolutely. Those are the kind of deals that the investors and uh, should be looking at and waiting for and being patient to find. Mm-hmm. That's the point. I got one on my desk the other day and the loan request was like 85% of the ARV. Dang. And I said, bro, let's run this. Let's run the numbers here. You're not going to make any money after paying the fees and the costs and the holding costs and the you know the hard money stuff. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left for you here. And he's like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. And I'm thinking, oh, okay. Yeah. We, we missed, a, you know, dodged a bullet there. Um, but sometimes I see that where they try to, they try to skew the numbers to make the deal work and Mm -hmm. you don't want to do that. You have to be objective with yourself. Right. And because here's why, if you, if you're listening to this and you've never flipped a house before, or if you've never lost money on a flip or Mm -hmm. broken even on a flip, let me just help you. Cause I've been there. 
when you work on a deal for three, four, five months, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into that deal. You borrow money and you pay interest to, to take that deal down. You invest your own capital and risk mm-hmm. your own money and your own time. And then you're, you know, you risk your own liability because people are in there hammering nails and putting drywall sheets up and they could yeah. fall over and whatnot. And then that deal doesn't make you any money mm-hmm. because you underestimated the repair budget or you overestimated the after repair value or you made a bad decision at the beginning because you wanted to do a deal so bad. Mm-hmm. It really is disappointing. Yeah. It's a bummer. So you don't want to go through that if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. You just avoid it by simply being conservative on your underwriting and being patient with your offers. And, you know, sometimes when you made offers and you made offers and they're not getting accepted and you're, you're, you're missing out, missing out, missing out, you just want to take action and do a job. Yeah. I totally understand that. Right. But I just want to caution people that even as much as you want to do a deal, don't do a deal to break even or lose money just because you want to do a deal. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't look at a deal and try to finagle the numbers to make them work just so you can do the deal. Yeah. Wait for the right deal. It will come along. Okay. And then when it does come along, you'll be really happy that you waited and that you were patient because at the end of the day, flipping houses is a business and you're trying to make a profit. Mm -hmm. Okay. In order to make a profit, you have to sell the property for more than the cost of buying it, renovating it, holding it and financing it. Mm -hmm. How do you know if uh, that's going to happen? You look at all those variables, you look at what you can control and then you estimate what you can't control. You estimate the after repair value. You estimate the scope of work. Mm-hmm. You estimate the holding period, and then you can pretty accurately calculate what that is. Yeah. You know what the purchase price is. Mm-hmm. So there's really only two variables, the after repair value and the scope of work. The, the less experienced you are, the more you're going to miss on the scope of work, Yeah, which means true. that you have to add more and more and more contingency into that. In other words, if it's a 50K budget, it should be 55 or 58 because yeah. you probably missed something. Yeah, you forgot absolutely. about closet inserts. You p- forgot about landscaping the backyard. You forgot about things that you don't know about yet, like yes. plumbing issues that you couldn't possibly see mm-hmm. coming. So the after repair value, again, on, on January 1st is going to be different than on July 1st. Yep. You buy a house on January 1st, you can't control what the market's going to be like in six months. Yeah, exactly. You have no way of knowing. Now you hope it's going to stay the same or go up, but it doesn't mm-hmm. always. And you can't assume. One of the things I see is I see some assumptions that a house that appraises or that has a comps today of 200, people think it's going to be worth 210 or 220 in six months because it's always been going up like that. Right. You got to be careful. There. Yeah, very, very careful. Because you don't know. The market's not going to go up 10, 15% forever. It just can't. Right. So, you know, as we look into the future, we have to be, again, conservative in the underwriting. I mm-hmm. want you to underwrite the deal as though it's worth what it is today. Then six months from now, it might bail you out by going up 20 grand and that'd be great. Yeah. But that can't be your business plan. Right. You can't have a business plan that assumes appreciation for your sale. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a cautionary warning right there for anybody who's looking at deals and maybe taking too much, uh, you know, adjustment into consideration for the inflationary value mm-hmm. increases over time. You can't, I don't think you should do that. Obviously you can, if you want, but it's risky, right? It, it creates a lot of risk. So be careful with that. And then at the end of the day, go back to the front end and be more aggressive on your purchases. Everybody says, you know, you make your money when you buy it. And that's true because what they mean by that is your basis starts with what you purchase the property for mm-hmm. all those other factors that you can't really control kind of add on top of the purchase price. But the level of where the purchase price lands is what starts that calculation for yeah. the value. Yeah. It makes sense for the profit. So you got to be very, very conservative on where you're offering. 
Mm-hmm. You have to make a lot of offers. You have to be used to rejection. You have to be yeah. used to follow up and, and making an offer to somebody and having them say no and keeping them in your pipeline long enough to go back to them and see if they change their mind. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, a lot of people say no to the first offer when you make them a low ball offer mm-hmm. because of a lot of reasons they think they can do better. They're not motivated yet. They don't like you. They don't like the offer. They're offended. There's a million reasons why they say no. Yep. But those people that you're making a low offer to have a problem. And unless they've solved it another way, 60 days later, you might still be their solution. You got to remember to come back to them. Right. And so as a real, you know, obviously we do real estate sales too. We talk about a pipeline. Yeah. You need to have a pipeline of, of, of offers because so many of them are not going to be accepted or they might mm-hmm. not be accepted until a future date. Yeah. Which is why having a business plan that, that really starts on the front end of those acquisitions is important to an investor because then you don't have to worry about the scope of work or the after repair value bailing you out on your underwriting. You can be so confident that you're going to have a profitable deal because you're buying it for 30, 35, 40 cents on the dollar of what it's worth. Mm-hmm. When you buy a property for 35 cents on the dollar, you really can't lose. It's, right. it's hard to lose. Very, yeah. Very you know what I mean? Lose. Like you really got to blow it on the, on the repair budget and then you, something really bad has to happen at the yeah. end. So, but if you buy something at 50 or 60 cents on the dollar, you are really cutting it, cutting yeah. it slim now in terms of profitability. Yeah. You know, you might break even or whatever, but you don't want to break even on a deal. You want to do a deal that you know you're going to make money on. Mm-hmm. You're at, you have a high degree of likelihood that you're going to make money yep. because you bought it so well. Yep. So just keep that in mind. Be patient. Don't rush out to get your first deal just because you want to get your first deal. Make your first deal be a home run. And then your second deal, make it be a home run. And then your third deal, make it a home run. Don't swing at the high pitches and don't just be too aggressive because you're trying to hit a bomb. Be patient and the good deals will come. Go get them. Go get them.